What's up, beautiful people? It's your girl, Amber Jones. We are back for episode five, five of the revival, Faith, Justice, and Culture for the Now Generation. We are in the second half of season one, and I'm just so incredibly excited for this conversation. Um, One of the first people I thought about to bring on the podcast is this amazing sister of mine, And I'm just really excited for the conversation we're going to get into today. I am not going to hold you all because this is just a powerful woman of God, um, a leader in our community, um, a a minister, um, a communications extraordinaire, um, social justice leader, organizer, all the things. So I'm just so incredibly excited to welcome Minister Janae Bates to the podcast how are you doing girl i am doing great i'm super excited to be here really excited to to chat so yes i am so excited um for you all who don't know um minister bates or janae or whatever however (laughs) you know her um she's amazing and i won't tell all of her story but um she is the communications director um, at Isaiah, which is the largest uh, progressive faith-based organization in the state of Minnesota. Um, she is a minister as well. Um, she is coming off of a major public safety campaign in city of Minneapolis. Um, she is just a rock star in so many different ways. And I'm really excited to have her on the show because I really think she truly embodies what the the revival is all about and really um struggling through and really seeing that those intersections of faith justice and culture in our society so i'm super excited for janae to be on here to really just share her story her testimony she has a really powerful testimony and i'm really excited to to really get into some of these conversations as, as well on Um, how we think about justice, how we think about mercy and redemption in our society, um, and how does our faith compel us to do something completely radically different than what our world is calling, trying to call us to do. So um, as we get started, I really want to just take some time um, for our community to get to know you, um, your journey. You're not from Minnesota. I'm not from Minnesota. (laughs) So I would love um, for the people to kind of hear about your journey, how you made here to Minnesota, and really kind of going back before that, just your journey with the Lord, like how did you come into relationship with God, how he found you, um, and how he has been continuing to shape your walk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I, uh, so I was born in, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and um you know, I, I was, you know, blessed to, to be born into a, a nuclear family. Um, and so, but I also recognized that, that it was unique for the community where I grew up, um, grew up pretty, you know, relatively poor, uh, but had no idea about it as a result of, you know, good parenting. Um, but I, I, I also have um, an older brother who was epileptic growing up and um and a sister who was actually my best friend first and my parents adopted her into our family it's always had kind of like a a unique you know situation within my household 
And I think really my first, um, like my first wrestle of faith, like to, or even recognition that, that this faith thing might be legit, um, happened at a pretty young age. I went to church faithfully, uh, religiously, excuse the pun, right? But like my, both of my parents are, are very devout Christians. My dad is actually a minister now, my, um, and an elder within the church. My mom um, was a gospel singer and sung professionally for many years. And so we were, you know, in church, of course, all day Sunday, but also on Monday and Wednesday yep. and Thursday, <laughs> Saturday, right? Yep. So I lived, right, I lived within the church. And, but um, for, for, for PKs, for, you know, preacher kids and, um, you know, kids who grew up in the church, you also know that you, you have to have your own moments where you have your own real uh, experience with God and faith. And so for me, that happened um, when I was younger. My, again, my brother was epileptic. And so he would have grandma seizures. Um, so that's like the full convulsion. And he had them since he was an infant. Um, and so much so that uh, it, it gave some, some brain damage. Um, and he, um, had some learning disabilities and so growing up doctors always said he wasn't gonna live you know past five and then when he did they were like well he's gonna have profound learning disabilities mm -hmm. to the point where he's gonna always need self he's gonna need uh you know personal care and um some he'll always be dependent mm -hmm. on someone to take care of him uh, and my, you know, as, as my brother got older, uh, when we, he was about nine, I was seven and he was having seizures probably once to twice a week. And every time he had a seizure, he had to go to the emergency room, um, just because of how violent they were and the potential of doing some extreme brain damage. So uh, as you can imagine, for a poor black family um, who was a very sickly child, we this is a huge reason why we were poor, right? The extraction, exploitation of like our, our potential family's wealth into the healthcare system, which is a whole nother story for another day. <laughs> but um, he was at that time taking 36 pills a day, um, some to medicate his epilepsy, some to medicate the medications, <laughs> like to navigate the side effects. And uh, my dad, um decided to go on a fast uh and he decided to fast for 40 days for my brother and so he was fasting and praying for him uh and also took him off all of his pills uh the the the, the doctor's chagrin uh but took him off all of his pills and fasted for him and during that fast my brother did not have one seizure mm. um and as I mentioned, he was has seizing, you know, once a week. And it's also interesting because Dr. Ben Carson, um, which meant some may know in the political <laughs> realm, uh, he was um, he was also a, he while he may not be great in politics, he is a profound uh, brain surgeon. And he would do he had this program where he would provide a brain brain surgery for one child. It was like once every I don't know how often for like pro bono. Um, out of Cleveland Clinic, and my parents were pushing to try to have him do that for my brother, 
And so my parents were kind of in like the final round, but it seemed like they weren't actually going to choose my brother for the surgery. And that's when my dad decided to do this fast. And during, like I said, during the fast, he didn't, my brother didn't seize not once. And so all of a sudden uh, the Ben Carson crew were really interested in Mm -hmm. in observing my brother. (laughs) Um, But my parents were like, no, he's, the Lord has healed him. And it's true. My brother has not had one seizure since. Wow. Right, exactly. My brother is now um, 38 years old and has his own place, drives his Mm. own car, has been Mm. uh, completely able to live a life free from seizures and um, and is completely independent. And it is totally by the grace of God. And so watching that happen at nine years old, I'm like, oh, shoot, this is there's something legit about Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) <laughs> so wow. um as I as I got older I um I really you know as most of us do wrestled about well what are the ways in which to have like true piety true relationship with God what does that look like um and kind of had an ebb and flow of it but knew um as I got older that it really was about relationship in terms of being in right relationship with God um, is more about figuring out how to be in right relationship with the people he put here with us. Mm. The reality is, is God did God's part. God said, I will reconcile mm. you to me. Mm. God did God did God's part to do that. Uh, but we have a responsibility, a duty and a joy to reconcile ourselves to one another. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. is that's how I really got launched into this notion of like social justice work um, because it is one of the most concrete and intentional ways of, of really being able to reconcile ourselves to one another around a series of things, you know, mm-hmm. systemic ways in which we have harmed one another, in which we've benefited from the harm of other people. And how do we get to a place where we can begin to fully embrace um, the fruits of the spirit with one another? How do we really fully embrace peace, patience, joy, you know, mm-hmm. and and all of these these things? And so, you know, leaning to this idea of redemption, of this notion of true forgiveness of reconciliation um, and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, it should touch every aspect of our day-to-day world, but we see uh, many ways in which it doesn't. And so in my earlier years, especially, um, you know, after I had studied theology, I'd went abroad um, to study theology in Scotland and, mm-hmm. and uh, Grace of God became the theologian of Scotland. Uh, <laughs> which was uh amazing uh the theologian the the womanist theologian of scotland Um, and so right um and and so being able to do that also really um catapulted me into you know recognizing that there is a particular place in which the church um you know, the, the ecumenical church, the body of the church, regardless of denomination, right, has a role in, 
in that that large scale reconciliation, that large scale redemption and justice and love, this public love in the world. And I think, especially in the American context, we we've dropped the ball. And um, oh yeah, <laughs> we definitely. <laughs> and uh and 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 not just drop the ball i mean there's in a lot of ways the the evangelical church has um has even done things that have been counter right to to our actual call and what it's supposed to be in the world and so and i say that recognizing myself fully as an evangelical christian mm-hmm. and there is you know the fact that the term evangelical has even been synonymous with like this notion of like right wing and yeah. uh, you know and, and it's, it's such a falsehood but it's one that society has embraced as a truth mm-hmm. um, and so really i think the this notion of christians being called to be peculiar people to be countercultural mm-hmm. um is is one that i try to embody and embrace in every aspect of my life, most certainly in my work um, as a as a communications professional and narrative strategist where I am constantly pushing and calling us to our better selves, um, to open ourselves up, to lean into our values, to recognize the ways in which uh, we have an intentional purpose in the world, to, to lean into prophetic imagination um, and not just accept the world as is. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do this in in the context of my, my friendships and my family and my own marriage. Um, some may know my husband is currently incarcerated and has been for his entire adulthood. Um, and so even though we've known each other as children, um, I, you know, I have a husband who has been deeply and gravely touched by the carceral system, yeah. um, which does not lend itself at all to the notion of redemption and reconciliation and, nope. and restoration. Mm-hmm. And so there is really a, um, uh, just like, you know, that fire shut up in my bones mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that calls me, propels me, and, and inspires me daily to really lean in to this, this notion that um, my faith is absolutely the catalyst of the, the work that I get to do in the world. Um, and so it's always funny to me when people are like, oh, wow, you're a Christian, you do social justice work. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like that's kind of the point. It's yeah. like supposed to do. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that was a very long-winded answer. Uh, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. Like, first of all, um, let, let's just like worship God in this moment. Like, our God is a miracle worker, our God is a healer, um, mm-hmm. a miraculous healer, and our God is faithful to his children who faithfully seek him. Um, It's not like a genie in the bottle thing, but like the faithfulness of your father as the leader of your family to really petition God on behalf of his son Um, and just the way that God showed up um, and the testimony that comes out of that. Like we just have to worship God Um, then and there. um, You know, so many people... um, so many people look at some type of chronic illness or disability and um, 
think that there's there's no room for God to show up and that doesn't necessarily mean even if God doesn't show up that he's not you know to completely remove um doesn't mean that he is not in the mist um but I just think it's so powerful to to hear that story um to hear that testimony and to just like just be able to stop and just be like you know God is so incredibly awesome like and for that to be an entry point for you to see God at work, like God's power at work at such a young age, right? So it doesn't just benefit um, your your brother, it benefits you um, on a spiritual level as well. So it's just amazing, right? <laughs> like, so we just gotta yeah. say that first and foremost. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really do credit quite a bit to my brother often, and I should tell him more frequently, but mm-hmm. a lot about my, my faith walk really is a credit to my brother, not just like his, his ailment, his miraculous healing from it, but also the way in which he's lived his life. I mean, this man is incredibly resilient as you can imagine, you know, growing up, um, with learning disabilities, he has a stutter um, that he still continues has to this day, and can sometimes be a little socially awkward. He he was bullied a lot um, when he was on all of those meds. He got in trouble in school a lot because, you know, he's like on many medications, some that keep him up at all times, some that you know really make him fidgety. Uh, he's also a little black boy, and so you know, he he got in trouble often, and it was watching that happen really um i remember there were times where i just i felt like and continue maybe even now still feel like a bit of like his protector mm-hmm. even though i was a little sister yeah but it really gave me this purview about or you know this this perception about the ways in which the world treats people that they think are less than yes um you know that that are undeserving unworthy for whatever reason we create Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, it was like this firsthand example at a young age that like we do God doesn't make hierarchies of people. Yeah. Like there's not any person that's any better or any worse than anyone else mm-hmm. because we're all divinely inspired and and created and of the highest worth and dignity. Mm-hmm. And and though we don't, human beings don't offer that to one another. God is loves us beyond what we could fathom. And we're called to do that to other people. And so there has always been like this cheering, rooting, and now championing and advocating for those who are considered the underdog, the outskirts, the oppressed, the thrown out, the unworthy, mm-hmm. um, because they those are the folks who really like should deserve and deserve to be lifted up um, in a society where we really only value the abled, the wealthy, the white, right? And so, um, yeah, anyway, um, but most certainly my brother was a, a, is a pivotal person yeah. in helping me to understand that even gradually, you know, granularly at such a young age. Mm, that's, that's awesome. That's so awesome. And I'm just like, as you were uh, talking and um, earlier on, when you were talking about reconciliation, you know, I was thinking about when Paul talks about that, and um, I think it's in Second Corinthians, um, that as, like you said, as we are reconciled to God, he is calling us to be reconciled to each other. Um, and just like, that's work. That is a real, that is a real call 
for the body um, in this world that we are called not to stray away or to push away or to dispose or to discard, um, but to do the hard work of reconciling. And um, I think like, as we talk about justice, um, as we talk about what is really the goal in my mind, what is really the goal um, for the work that we are doing um, outside of obviously lifting up those who have been discarded is really, it's, it's not necessarily to flip the scales, right? It's to actually bring us back into right relationship with each other. Right. Like I say right. that all the time, like it's not about winning. Like it's not about um, over, you know, overcoming above those yeah. who are um, carrying forth like this, this sinful and harmful rhetoric in power. Um, there's yeah. work that needs to be done in the midst of that to hold folks accountable, right? Like yeah. accountability is part of that work. Repairing harm is part of that work. Restitution is part of that work. But it doesn't stop there. Like God is actually calling us further into a space of reconciliation. But I always say it's justice then reconciliation. Because you know, like just like you know, like our like our ancestor Mel Reeves always says justice then peace, right? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, right. So similar. Like we have to we have to address the harm, repair it before we can be in right relationship. But the goal is according to God for us to be in harmony with each other and restore to one another because that's ultimately the the expected end we're supposed to land at, right? Right. The expected end is for us to be in right relationship and in full embodiment with God and with his creations. And so with that being said, like as we talk about and you start to you start to get at it. So I mean there's there's a lot in your life that I think is really an embodiment of that work. Like of that work of as we are seeking redemption to really focus on mercy and reconciliation um, and to really do the hard work of seeing people, um, doing the hard work of creating new systems or envisioning new, new ways for us to address and repair harms in our society with that goal of reconciliation and being in right relationship and you you um, initially mentioned it on a professional level and then also on a personal level you're in covenant relationship with someone who has to navigate these um, systems of mass incarceration and the work that he is personally committed to in his mm -hmm. own life and you walking with him in that and so um if you want to kind of unpack that a little bit more that journey and how that is showing up in your personal and professional life yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Like naming that we have to remember that ultimate goal, right? About like actually reconciling. And I think, you know, far too often we are focused on harm reduction when we talk about a lot of this work. And and I, I totally understand the necessity of harm reduction. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's just like make things a little less terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But the reality is we're actually called to have prophetic vision and, and prophetic imagination yes. about this idea of, you know, what we pray about when we, we do the Lord's prayer, when we talk about this notion of, of creating 
this beloved community on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we have to really lean in um, to the, this, this notion, this idea that we should be allowing people to be fully restored. Um, and that oftentimes they're not feeling restoration because of us, um, because of, you know, choices communally that we've made um, that has that has brought around and brought on all this individual harm that we see. And so like, I think about like the Old Testament where, you know, where it was a necessity for like the, the prophets of the world to have to do sacrifices, right? But the sacrifices were not just individual sacrifices. They had to do communal sacrifices about like what the community harm and what was done. Mm -hmm. And both like ones that folks knew about and the stuff we don't know about that we do all the time. And and we don't have those kinds of rituals anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both because like Christ came so that we didn't have to do them by mm-hmm. necessity, but we also don't have a way in which we like ritually understand this notion of redemption of, re- you know, reconciliation, even in biblical times, like every seven mm-hmm. years, folks were forgiven. Yeah. Like it is. Like that's were forgiven. Folks was released from prisons. Like this is like a a, a real thing that we just mm-hmm. have completely lost. Like uh, the enslaved were made free. Like exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, and now you know it's it's nothing to to throw a sixteen year old into prison for decades mm-hmm. and to not think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's that is a. That is a heinous decision that we have communally made. Um, that we have to, we have to, we have to do the work to undo, yeah. um, and to lean into what are we actually creating. Like we don't want to just stop bad things, and so that's that brings me to the work yeah. that I do. Right, like the the thing is, is again, it's not just about harm reduction. It's not just about stopping bad things. When we're talking about our criminal justice system, when we're talking about our public safety system. You know, and we have a temptation that we want to only focus on policing when we talk about public safety, when the reality is, is that policing is such a small sliver um, and one that has not required any amount of imagination, especially when we think about even why we have policing today, the ways in which, you know, policing was created out of slave catchers. And, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that it is a it is a very lazy a solution to a much larger societal issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we do know the things that keep us safe, when like resourced, the, the, the safest cities in the entire country are the, the most resourced cities. When cities that, you know, where folks have livable wages and ample health care and thriving education systems, folks are safe. When they have ample housing that is not just stable, it's affordable and quality. Like people have safety. And so how are we um, creating that, you know, and doing this work, I get to, I'm really blessed and afforded to be able, um, because I mentioned I'm a narrative strategist. So I get to do a bunch of like research and deep study about the things that we think and what we say and how it affects us. And the reality, what has become abundantly clear is that our truest opposition in this world um, it's not just the, you know, it's not just people. I mean, we could talk about that. It is definitely some people um, <laughs> who have been intentional in, in you know, creating uh, a world that would only benefit the very few. Mm-hmm. But 
it's really been our own uh our own cynicism mm. majority of people in the world believe that it is you know right and just and good um to to have true you know reconciliation true um restoration for people but they also just don't believe it's possible to have that mm-hmm. and you know that is that for me is like the perfect place where faith should yes. be inserted <laughs> because, you know mm-hmm. where we that's know so that good. we have a, you know like the reality is we have a god who that's can do so abundantly good. above all that we could ever ask or think that's and so yet good. we we ignore or forget or don't believe mm-hmm. that it is that our god is actually able mm-hmm. um and so you know um i worked on a, a campaign last year um on you know be, for the city of minneapolis of creating a department of public safety um that really was about leaning into this notion of of imagining like reimagining but not just reimagining in like the this will be nice and fluffy, you know, <laughs> but actually leaning in to creating the kind of city, the kind of public safety system that actually meets the needs of people, that meets the needs of where folks are, that actually directly addresses the issues of gun violence at its root, that, you know, starts to address the issues of police brutality and police harm at its root. Uh, and, you know, I, there most certainly were oh, a hard campaign, Lord Jesus knows, but there, uh, even though it electorally lost um, with only 43% of the vote, it's won in so many ways in pushing people to really start to think about the ways in which where we, we put our resources, where we've put our time and energy, um, in how we address public safety. Mm-hmm. And so even now, you know, even though we have recently had yet another murder by police case in Minneapolis, um, we also have seen, you know, the folks against creating a department of public safety also now saying we need to reimagine public safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to invest in things like mental health care and we need to invest in re- first responders who aren't just police officers. And, and that's good, you know? I think some of my uh, colleagues and, and comrades who, who fought on the campaign with me um, are a little upset that <laughs> our talking <laughs> points are now being used by an opposition, but I really look at it like this, the, again, folks always knew that it was the right, good, just thing. That wasn't why we lost the campaign. People, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they thought, oh, no, that's not, we, we don't want that. It was just that they thought they could still get that without making structural changes. Mm. And, you know, structural change is hard and it's mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. And we have to be real about the realities of that. Um, and also know that that is that on the other side of it, that beauty can happen, that hope can happen, that joy can happen. Um, and so when we look at our biblical text and like at all, every single point where something miraculous and wonderful happened there was always something scary that took place yeah. first that people had to take yeah. a step of, of faith yeah you know yeah. and and so we are we're in our own pivotal moment to do that um and i i've been like really recently thinking about the text um that talks about how and then it's the prophet saying 
you know, that God is doing a new thing. Don't Mm you, how do you not perceive it? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you not seeing it? That God is doing something new. And when we think about this like pandemic and racial uprising and all of this shifting that has happened in our world. And so many folks have been like grasping at the things that we've traditionally done over and over again like this is this is a thing that i know that gets me excited or this is a thing that 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 like sparks you know the passion and it hasn't done it for them it's because we are called to do something different in this time Mm -hmm. and and so i am i you know in this work um you know thinking about in the midst of the pandemic uh, choosing to marry my husband, even though he is still incarcerated, mm-hmm. making, you know, the intentional choice that, um, you know, I mean, praise God, I'm, we are in a particular situation where he doesn't have a life sentence, even yeah. though it sometimes feels like it. <laughs> um, <but> he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have a life sentence. And so there is light at the end of the yeah. tunnel. Um, but to still say we're gonna we're just we're gonna continue with our marriage um we're gonna get married even in the midst of you know the pandemic and and incarceration and racial uprising and things are cray cray uh both of us have loved have lost loved ones to covid and illness and gun violence um just in 2021 and still we're like no we're gonna get married (laughs) like we're gonna do this we want our our family there to celebrate and to also, you know, have a moment of joy, mm-hmm. even in the midst. And I think we have to keep creating, yes. um, not, not necessarily manufacturing, but really creating opportunities for us to feel gratitude, thankfulness, and joy. Yes. Um, because that reminds us of the, what we're fighting for, which mm-hmm. brings us back to the whole point and purpose. It's really about reconciling ourselves to one another. Yes. You know, it is important that folks see that though my husband is incarcerated, this is a man who has committed his life to justice and truth and God's, you know, glory uh, for and and being able to do that as much as possible in his own public life. And and that it's important that people see that not as him as a story of exceptionalism, Mm -mm. but as a story of what human who human beings are, even those Mm -hmm. who are sitting behind bars Mm -hmm. Uh, and and Amen. And that is it for us. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah. Again, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just want to listen. No, like, there was, a, there was something you said earlier, you know, I just, you know, you as a communicator, as a, as a, as a, uh, a professional messenger in a lot of ways, um, and you were talking about like in the midst of that cynicism, that's where we inject faith. And I think a lot of times people struggle in our American context. Like I, I had a conversation recently and I was telling them about, you know, the revival and, and some of the things I'm interested in. And they were like, you know, they asked that question, like, um, do you believe in separation of church and state and all that stuff? And I'm like, first of all, the scriptures do not support that by any means. Like the scriptures actually say that the foundation of our our political life was really our spiritual life. Um, and we talked a little bit about that in the previous episode with Numa Pierre, so I'm not gonna get into that here. But um, <laughs> when it comes to our, our, our communal leadership, the foundation of that biblically was our spiritual leadership and they handled all of the affairs. And when we think about politics, we really don't, we think about it in this like, 
orb, this web of like, here are these politicians and here's government and laws and politics, you know, as writ is really about governing community, like, right? And so like, that's something that we all as members of our community should be a part of. Like, yes, there's a political lens in our culture with that, but as root, it's like, how are we governing our community? How are we in relationship with each other in our community? Um, And that is so rooted in our faith, right? Um, So that's like one thing I was thinking about. But then also, (laughs) um, you were just saying like, we we can inject faith to combat cynicism. And I just thought that was so incredibly powerful because um, people, you know, when I think about in particular, the tradition of of black people in this country in particular, um, and every type of social and political body of work, excuse me, that we have carried in this country, our faith was very integral and central to that. And I and I will also say that the most inspirational, the most, um, the 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 messages that brought us together and inspired a nation, time and time again, were rooted in our faith, right? Through abolition, through civil rights and Jim Crow, um, and I really, you know, as I think about what what that means for. Our, our work in this moment, yeah. I am constantly questioning in my mind, where is that message coming from? Like, and it doesn't have to come from one person, but where are those people who are desperately, um, desperately seeking to inject the faith that compels us, the faith that sustains us, the faith that brings forth endurance, um, and making, you know, that endurance that is, in, in short, what James says, makes our faith complete, right? Um, where is that coming from? Because I personally think, um, especially when we have those moments when we do lose or, you know, all those things, like, where is the, where are those moments where we are inspired, where we are compelled, where we are moved forward? And I just think our faith is the, is the best place to, to, to ground that. And so, um, and I just think, you know, saying, sharing this, I feel like the way that you have continued to speak publicly about some of the most polarizing um, issues in our climate today, both on the local and national level, continues to inspire me because it does just that. In, a, in, in an orbit where very few people want to seek to inspire to compel us to, to step kind of out of the divides and really say, hey, what are we trying to do moving forward? You know, it's not about winning. It's about inspiring us to do something new and to dream something new. Um, and how God is our compass in that, right? Um, and how he is calling us to work together to achieve that. I feel like you are one of the few voices that are really being able to exemplify that work. Um, and so I just think it's so important to one, share that with you, both as a friend, but also publicly, um, and to like really challenge us um, to really lean into, especially people with platforms, especially people who, who use their voices um, for for the that change or is in relationship with those that are, um, to really continue to call to compel us to that because that's going to, like you said that's going to be the message 
that inspires a generation, that inspires a movement forward. It's not going to be the ones where we're constantly biting heads. Um, it's the one that's going to inspire us out of our cynicism. Thank you. God bless you for that. Um, yeah, You're I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Well, give me some flowers. I love it. Um, I just, you know, I just gave you some yesterday too. It was her, birth, it was her birthday, y'all. <laughs> so I just was like, let me yes. just be goofy <laughs> with that one. Beautiful. Beautiful. It um, okay. Um, but, but, you know, like I, I have really been thinking about this, like in the same way that I was, you know, naming, mm -hmm. um, this, the, you know, in the scriptures where there was a very clear shift, um, where the prophets were saying, like, God is calling us to something new. Uh, and it's time that, that, that we recognize what's happening. Uh, the, the social context of what was taking place is important because I, you know, this was a time where the Israelites had come out, you know, they had been experiencing this, you know, freedom from Egypt, um, but also have now wandered into Babylon mm -hmm. and are dealing with the, the being an oppressed people once again. And there is a, um, there are like indicators within scripture where like prophets and and people of profound faith like pastoral care is really about like one of three things it's it is ushering people out of darkness mm. um being with them in the midst of darkness and ushering them into darkness oh, and, and so and so when we think about like the way <laughs> Like the ways in which you're trying to get out, you're trying to keep me in. What's up with that? <laughs> but it is, it is a lot of it is like being with folks in the midst of what that is, what that looks like, and recognizing like it ain't all Satan, right? Like that, like yeah. there's a lot of refining that takes place in us when we go through hard things. Yeah. And yes. the reality is that we can we can overcome, we can be overcomers in the midst of hard things, especially oh, and quite frankly, only when we do it together. Mm. And Lord and Jesus. so this this work for me is really about that. It's like how are we like equipping ourselves to be resilient to do hard things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, you know, coming back to this notion of opposition, we have to also be grounded in the fact that opposition is real, yeah. right? That it is powers and principalities and not just people, but people are absolutely being used uh, <laughs> to do to do Satan's work. And, yeah. and it's always about seeking to destroy, to steal from us joy. And so, you know, a lot of times in this work, I tell folks, we have to be inoculated against messaging that is completely grounded in chaos and mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, and most certainly when we're talking about like, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power yes. and love and a sound mind. And sometimes yes. we forget this notion of power. Yes. And power and thing, power is like, power is, power is bad, power is scary, only bad people want power. Nope. No, God gave us power, power <laughs> like, in the name of jesus or whatever okay. Kasha cop said <laughs> <laughs> yes right? yes and, you know i love that in organizing the the term the idea of power the notion of power and the pursuit of power right power to the people power for mm -hmm. the people 
is a core element of our work and and that should absolutely be true also in in the christian faith and context Mm -hmm. and it's not about having power over it's about having power for and power with the ability to have agency and dignity in this world it's something that we're deserving of that we have a, a a divine and inherent uh, this we are inherently given these things and yet they get to be they're they're taken from us mm-hmm. right and so we you know the the notion of like being able to to speak life into folks even when it does mean that i have to say things that in the societal's understanding are controversial mm-hmm. you know are um, you know, they're, they're, we are most certainly contesting for power about the role of policing in the world um, and in our cities. And what is the the role of of human beings to to care for one another? And what does that look like? I mean, quite frankly, you know, I get pushed back on both sides around this thing, right? Because I also am like, we're going to talk about policing and most certainly decreasing their footprint or completely reimagining something new, which, you know, I advocate for in a, in, in like smart, sensible ways. We also have to incorporate police officers in like, what does a just transition look like for them? Mm-hmm. Right? Like actual police officers, what does it look like to be in real relationship? <laughs> yeah, they, they are, are people, they're not going are- anywhere. They are part of our communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the same way that I have I have a heart of grace and mercy for my husband, I absolutely have the same thing for police officers. And so how are we thinking about, especially those who really are in this role, because they do want to protect themselves. They do want to live into like the the proverbial promise of what the industry says they do as opposed to what we see them do. And so how do we actually create space and room for that industry to, to be what it's, what it was supposed to be. Mm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it like, so even, you know, really pushing really everyone to, to figure out ways to wrestle together, to make, you know, again, this beloved community possible. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be you know, it's going to take real public love, not the anemic kind. It's, it's <laughs> MLK would name, like, you remember mm-hmm. give me the anemic love that don't actually mean nothing. Say, I yep. love you and don't do nothing. Yep. But like, how do we really ensure that all of us are okay? Like that, that we are all able to be able to thrive and that that is not dependent on the color of our skin or how much or little money we have in our pocket or the language we speak or even how we pray. Right. Like that there are there are just a series of things that that we are actually able to do and claim and be together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to push back on, you know, the politics of fear, the politics of chaos. If they be afraid, be very afraid, be afraid of your black neighborhood, be afraid of, that. (laughs) you know, like, like bad things are coming. Like Mm -hmm. the reality is, is that, you know, bad things are here. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and they've been here. They've they been promised here? to be here. That's right. They're gonna and, be here and, when, when we exactly. die. <laughs> <laughs> but there, it's the thing is, is like we we also don't have to just sit and be like, this is this that's is it. our portion, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and, and we don't have to just say, well, I can't do nothing for, about nothing nothing for them, but I could do something for myself. So let me yeah. just okay for me. 
Yeah, I no. It will continue in the cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I oh. I wholly agree, and just kind of it continues to go back to that notion. The scripture says, you know, by the spirit, the spirit gives us the power and desire to do God's will. And I think about like power means like capacity, capability, like like we we are given the capability to do like miraculous things through god god's power like through the spirit and um we we would be such a waste if we didn't actually take that seriously right um as his children as as the body to really think about and really sit in the presence of god to know his will and to also trust him and have faith that he will show us how we are to walk in that, right? And that is a very radical act um, and cause us to do a very radical things. And to, you know, as you were saying, as you were saying earlier, to hold the truth of God that is neither going to appease any side, like of multiples, you know, but it's the truth of God that is going to prevail overall in the end anyway. And so we have to be, um, we have to be uh, confident in that. We have to be bold in that. We cannot be afraid to walk in that, um, because that is, there's, there's no one side, right, that's getting it right a hundred percent of the time. Right. And if we are really desiring to to grow in what God is calling us to grow into, we have to be willing to lean into. Um, all the ways that he is shifting us and molding us in in this work like and it can be very easy um to to think that your size you know morally superior or stronger or mightier and all these all these things um and yet god still is calling you to go further like yeah. and he's still calling you to do things differently in different ways so I'm like, you know, I was thinking about that in particular, um, as you were kind of talking about um, that wrestling, <laughs> that like you get called out from everybody. And I think it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like that. Um, it, it really is. And it was like, like that I, for Jesus, you know? It really, yeah. Yeah. It was like that for Jesus. So. Yeah, it is. It most certainly was. Like, I, it's always funny when you think about it in history there there has there's all these like moments that take place and people can say all day well if I was there I would have did da, 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 no, you know but the reality <laughs> is it's like exactly <laughs> like you know what are what what are folks who know you or who will know you years from now say well what did you do during this era of our civil rights movement because we're in it you know yeah. and like um, and back to what you were naming, that it is intentional that we're supposed to wrestle together. Mm -hmm. It really goes back to like the creation story. Mm -hmm. When the, the fact that human beings are created in the image of God, we have to really unpack what that means. That we are, we, we all profoundly look different, think different, like react differently to different things. Mm -hmm. And yet we're all created in God's image because God is so big. Yeah right so massive so much more than we could imagine there's no way that and all of us could get every single piece of god 
Exactly. But there's no way that all of us could have gotten every single piece of God. And so we are all different aspects and pieces of God and representation of who mm. God is God interacts in the world. And mm. we are called to wrestle, to work together, to figure out how to get to where we need to go. Mm, and so okay. you're right. Like we, there's, there's no way that like minister Janae Bates is going to come up with all the answers because it's probably somebody who I consider opposition that I got to wrestle with, work with to actually get to what our next step is, Mm -hmm. right? Like the next iteration that is going to get us to that, that beloved community, that place where we're, we're experiencing life and life more by that. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, no, so true. So as we're like transitioning in our conversation and we're kind of nearing the end here, just wanted to give you an opportunity um, to talk a little bit more about if you have any other projects, you know, outside of, so your full-time get right um, at Isaiah, um, just wanted to, to talk a little bit more about if you have anything that you're working on now or anything that you want to share um, coming up that you want the people to know about. <laughs> Yeah. Um, want to preview. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, first, one thing I would do want to share that is still kind of related to my work, but I, yeah. you know, I, I fully am like grounded in uh, in the the uh, the power of organizing, and I think that that is it's not just you know my work; it's my vocation and my yeah. ministry. Um, so I I do race class narrative trainings mm-hmm. um, where. I, we, I get to like ground people in a framework that, um, again, gets to tap into the best version of people. Um, and it's great to use at the kitchen table <laughs> with your own family, uh, but also in public life and, and how we're communicating with one another um, across the many different aisles of our identities in life. Um, so, I, you know, you can visit um, faithnmn.com org um, where we usually will post those trainings uh, and they're they're free and open to the public mm-hmm. uh, and those happen very regularly so even if you don't see any trainings coming up now at any point in time you pop up in there there will be some more uh, and then I am super excited I don't have a launch date yet um, but my husband <laughs> and I have been working on a podcast. So it is, it's called recorded and monitored. Um, and we're, we're in a, a very long process, um, for launching, but, uh, that will be on the horizon. So hopefully at some point you can, uh, push it on out again to your, to your revival. Yes, I will. But it is, you know, it's the journey of my husband and I, me being a social justice minister on the outside, him being um, a social justice warrior within the confines of the prison Mm -hmm. industrial complex and um, being imprisoned for for nearly 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And so, but us being a married couple um, who are like blissfully in love and also like (laughs) navigating (laughs) all the things. Um, So definitely, uh, and also doing that within, you know, the prison industrial complex where every single conversation we have is recorded and monitored. Mm. So Mm. we get to invite in 
you know, usually that happens without our permission, right? Um, and we are involuntold that, <laughs> that that is what's going to happen. And so we want to be intentional and inviting in the public to also get a glimpse into our world and, oh. um, and you know, commune, commune with a, a larger audience. <laughs> wow. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for uh what you all are going to to share as a as a couple in ministry and justice with each other on this new journey um it was also it was, it was such an honor to be on at your wedding day and <laughs> yeah. being able to be, meet your husband for the first time and so yeah. he's so incredibly passionate about you um, and about what he is doing um, as well. So I'm just so incredibly excited to hear. And it was so funny, y'all. We so we have um, we have uh, calls like for devotionals and and other things that we're doing as a as a community of women. And then I was like, I'm dropping a podcast. And then the next person, <laughs> Janae, was like, I'm dropping a podcast. And then another sister was. <laughs> I'm dropping a podcast. And it was just, yeah. you know, I just think God is so, doing something so incredibly amazing right now in this season to really call, like I, I was sharing earlier, the, the real the real importance of people of faith using their voices in this season. I think the voice of God is really trying to push back out into the atmosphere and yeah. such a mighty level. And obviously in this world, um, that has become such more, so much more technologically driven through the pandemic. He's using all different types of ways to do that, out even outside of just like virtual ministry, just uh, like virtual church services. I think God has been really intentional in this season to compel us more to use our voices to share our testimonies, um, to have conversations um, that are going to inspire people forward and centering him in the process. And so I'm just really excited. I was just like, oh my God, God's doing something in the midst. <laughs> and so I'm just like really excited for your your podcast um, with your husband to come out and just to see all the ways in which God is going to use y'all. It's going to be Thank late. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I know that I am incredibly grateful for you and your work and I'm grateful for this podcast. You know, we've been amplifying it organizationally and, you know, being able to, this notion of like, like faith and, and politics and culture being able to come together and as they should, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, having, have you leveraging your own platform to be able to do that, I think is, is, it is this continual, like, ushering us into this new era of um, of where we're supposed to be and, and what this new iteration is that God is calling us to. Mm -hmm. So I, I am grateful for you for, for listening to God's voice and allowing him to light your path forward because it is lighting paths for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the love. <laughs> so as we wrap it, are there any last things you want to share? Um, if people where people can find you if you want to be found. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm out here in the red. You can most certainly follow me on my Twitter at favored J. Um, you can also come, come hit me up on Facebook. Um, uh, Janae, you know, it's the facebook.com slash Janae Bates. <laughs> I'm not hard to find. <laughs> 
but yeah, I am, I'm most certainly really, really grateful to, to get to be here and, and chop it up with y'all about the stuff that brings my heart joy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Janae, for being here. We're so excited um, just to be able to share this, this conversation with our audience and with our listeners and just in the spirit of um, as we are amplifying voices, um, as we wrap, um, there's just a, a lot of amazing things happening in the Twin Cities community. Um, and I want to use my platform as, as much as possible, be able to amplify that. So there's a couple of things I want to share for you all. Um, first off, um, there is a new podcast coming out today, uh, March 7th. Um, not today, the day that we're recording, but today, the day that this podcast drops. And I want to make sure that you all check it out. It's called Rethinking Manhood. You can look it up on Rethinking Manhood on Instagram. And I'm so excited for this podcast coming from one of my dear brothers, Destin Land. Um, he is just an amazing man of God, and he is really committed to bringing men together to unlearn patriarchal masculinity making space for men to heal, grow, and learn, and really centering the voices of Black men in the process, right? So check it out. The first episode has dropped today. You can look him up on Instagram at Rethinking Manhood. Check it out. And then um, we are really excited for um, our brother, Mr. Numa Pierre. He is dropping his first major project, Eternal. Um, and he's having a CD release concert this Saturday, March 12th at Redeeming Love Church. Doors open at 5.30 and it starts at 6 o'clock. And I am just like so hyped because in addition to obviously Newman P. Air, like the star of the show, right? Um, the one and only, one of the legends in Christian hip hop is also going to be joining them that night, The Truth. So we really just want to elevate some of the great work that's happening in community and I want to make sure um, I'm tracking some of these things to make sure I'm sharing with you all um, some really great things happening in the Twin Cities community, continues to support, uplift Black voices, Black voices of faith. Um, who are continuing to to use their voice um, in service of the gospel. So as we wrap up, um, if this is your first time listening, please make sure you are subscribing on all of our platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. Follow us on Instagram at the Revival TC Pod, and also on Facebook at the Revival TC. Um, and we will be back in two weeks for our next episode. So thank you so much. We love y'all. We will see you later. Peace. The views or opinions expressed by this platform are personal and belong solely to the host and its guests and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the host may or may not be associated with in professional and personal capacities unless explicitly stated.